Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. With his first two films, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, Martin McDonough made the transition from world-famous playwright to high-class filmmaker seem deceptively straightforward. Such a shift is anything but, of course, but he continues the trend with his latest offering, the jet-black comedy drama Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hotly tipped for success this coming awards season, it tells the story of a woman in the eponymous town who lays down a challenge to local police to take greater action over the unsolved murder of her daughter. Among its many delights are barnstorming central performances from Frances McDormand, Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, the podcast about the music in movies, in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. On which note, the nominations for the BAFTA EE's Rising Star Award were announced this week and we'll have exciting news about that before the end of the show. Before then, much to discuss with Martin, not least his collaborations with composer Carter Burwell. Their partnership is a dream come true for Martin, who fell in love with his work on the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple as a teenager. Welcome to Soundtrack, and it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Um, I, I saw your your new film, Three Billboards, which I'm just going to refer to that, otherwise it'll take up half our chat if I keep true, saying the full title true. every time. It's brilliant. It's just Thank you. so many things, and music obviously is an important part, and always has been, and it sees you back with your regular composer, the fabulous Carter Burwell. Yeah, yeah, for is the third he, time. Is there, is there no... I guess it's just kind of... There's, there's such a rapport with you two now in terms of you always... You always want it to be him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I always loved his stuff ever since I saw um, Blood Simple, which I think was his first ever soundtrack uh, when I was about 14. And that stayed in my mind.
and not knowing anything about him, but I thought, you know, once I made my first film, I just sort of went, he's the name that always stuck in my mind. He kind of comes from a, a bit of a punk rock background too, I think, even though you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell in the uh, music. I think that's uh, maybe a shared connection. And then all of the Coen Brothers uh, stuff, particularly Miller's Crossing, I, I kind of really loved. Yeah, we got a great rapport, and he's brilliant. He's really easy to get along with. He um, kind of goes against the grain of what a scene should be with yeah. his music. He doesn't uh, underpin the sadness with a sad track or the comedy with a comedy one. It's almost the reverse uh, in lots of ways. And he's great with tunes, and I like a nice tune. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he was he was always the man. And and his work on this is like really not what you would imagine for a story like this but then it is in another yeah. way too reading some stuff and he said that you guys you work on one-on-one -on -one. just the two of you having those conversations about where you want him to go and how you both see that yeah that scape of his that he creates yeah i guess we start with just sharing the script he doesn't really come on till quite late on in the process but uh he'll have had the script for a while and will have had his uh, thoughts about it but he sees sort of i guess the first rough cut or maybe a little further on than that to, to get a, a sense of the flavor of what i'm going for because that can obviously change a lot yeah. from script to first rough cut and then we either get together he's new york based so i'll fly over there and we'll chat or we'll exchange ideas but i think this time around it was me uh, just coming to his place and um him playing a few tunes that uh, he'd 
been thinking about for this yeah. um, which can be a terrifying kind of experience because <laughs> yeah. if it's a load of shit what do you do? What do you, say? <laughs> you can surely tell about luckily, that luckily, yeah, I guess you wouldn't use the word shit uh, <laughs> but he but, but uh, as ever it was all uh, brilliant straight away This time it was very um, not what I was imagining. I didn't really imagine what it could be because I'm not that way inclined so much. But he he came up with uh, something that I didn't even quite see in the story or in the film, and that was uh, sort of a Western theme. specifically like a spaghetti western and I love you know um, Sergio Leone stuff and uh, Ennio Morricone's yeah. but never suspected that you know I'd have a score like that on on a film like this where, where I didn't see it as a western at all and I can see it now but I can see it now almost through the prism of his music. But he played me uh, what he called Mildred's theme, and that's Francis's uh, character in the, yeah. in the film. And it was sort of pure spaghetti western, pure um, lone gunman walking into town almost. It's kind of who she is, though. Kind of, yeah, yeah, but I'd not really seen it quite that way. Although Francis, one of her first um, ideas of playing the character was basing it on John Wayne, weirdly, right. very weirdly. And you can see it in her walk, and 
I don't know, some kind of attitude of steadiness or something in her glare. Yeah. I guess Wayne-like. Now, he wouldn't have been my favourite actor in the world, nor person in mm -hmm. real life, but... His uh, characters? His, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But if it was Red River, I'd always go with Montgomery Cliff <laughs> rather than John Wayne, wouldn't we all? Um, <laughs> <laughs> in so many ways, um, but uh, but so yeah, going back to Carter, he he came up with uh, a spaghetti western theme for a woman in a modern day film, which is in a jumpsuit. In a jumpsuit, <laughs> and it, it just worked. It was like Mildred's war theme, pretty much, and it was a beautiful tune. It's used throughout the film in quite quiet ways too, and then strident, angry ways. And the film is that it's uh, you know strident and angry, but also has moments of uh, tenderness and and sadness and. Um, Carter is a master at finding those um, twists, I guess, and unusual choices. This is all written for, for her and for Sam Rockwell too. His part was written uh, specifically for him. But yeah, if Francis hadn't said yes to it, I think we'd have been screwed because there's no one really who can... Anyone. anyone. who's has um, got that kind of intelligence and honesty and a capacity with the humour. And but, heart. And heart, yeah. And can go to the sad places but without making it sentimental. But also we share a sort of working class background and the character is that too. And so to have someone who's not going to patronize those uh, yeah. ideas or a character like that was the most important thing. But also just being so strong and looking like a real person too. If she's, she'd said no, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that this is a, something that about 15 years ago you met, she came to one of your plays? Um, yeah, I she think... She said, write something for me. She, she says she did. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... Uh, sounds a bit rude, but that sounds like her. Um, <laughs> uh, she, she did, but I would have... I was going to anyway, because, you know, she's always yeah. been the best. But yeah, no, we, we'd met, I think I had a play in New York, my first play over there, and she, she, I met her briefly after that with Joel. And then about five years later, we, we met again. Uh, I think we were both drunk, and she said that, and, and I <laughs> Well, you obeyed. can't remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I had the idea for this, I guess, around that same sort of time. You know, no, literally, there, she was the first one on the list, and there was no list, it was just her. Hey there, Mildred. You didn't happen to pay a visit to the dentist today, did you? No. Huh? I said no. Oh, so it wasn't you who drilled a little hole in one of Big Fat Jeffrey's big fat thumbnails, no? Of course not. Huh? I said, of course not. You drilled a hole in the dentist? 
Didn't he? No, I didn't. I thought it was kind of funny myself, but he wants to press charges, so we're going to have to bring you in, I'm afraid. And Sam. Ugh. And Sam, too, yeah. He's, uh, he's one of the best actors around and probably the, the most underappreciated actors around. Um, hopefully that might change a little bit with this, but it should have changed with Moon and it should have changed with, you know, so many other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Confessions, too. Thanks for saying Seven Sidecrafts, <laughs> but uh, we'll go with the proper good ones. Um, and Love that. We're going to talk about that in a bit. So okay. We'll <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, Sam's, Sam's brilliant. And again, has the similar working class background and not commenting on that as a character. But his, uh, I guess, arc in the film is the most unusual, perhaps. And to play those different beats, you'll know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. um, with, I guess, humanity. You know, he does some pretty horrible things and yeah. it is to a degree a horrible kind of character in places but you have to see the humanity in that and you're uh, almost kind of not cheating him on but you're almost wanting him to come to, out the other side of it yeah or to be better or yeah. to or hopefully to understand him and um sam brings all that stuff to it in spades you know in fact there's not much um, directing to do with with any of these actors you know you, you kind of talk about the script from a few months before you make it and then a little bit of rehearsal in the weeks before but then on the day, um, there's no real discussion. There's no real direction, to be honest. Easy you job for you. Yeah, really easy. <laughs> I just uh, <laughs> think about the music. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, 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 it is the old adage of, you know, you hire the best people and, yeah. and let them get on with it. And I, th- I think if you like actors like I do, you're not scared of that. Uh, I think there are some directors who, you know, the ones who do a hundred takes, and I never really understood what that's all about, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it seems like the uh, antithesis of what acting is about. Yeah. Mentioning in their names, <laughs> beginning with F. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, but um, yeah, you, you get good people, and, and like even the smaller characters, like um, John Hawkes yeah. and um, Peter Dinklage, and they're not the leads, but they should be as important as the main characters. There's a couple of brilliant musical moments that I wanted to talk about. There's one uh-huh. that involves an ABBA track, <laughs> which is very funny. And it was like that, whoa, was not expecting that. That's a little left field. But it wasn't what he was listening to, I believe, as well. This is a little thing. Who, t- who turned you know? I might have seen him talk about it somewhere. Oh, really? Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen that. I've been, I've been Googling everything. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> it, reggae, I believe, he might have been listening to. Yeah. When you're about to film that, he's got the headphones in and he's just doing a kind of little dance in the station. Are you just letting him pick something to listen to? or? In that sense, yeah, because it's not going to be picked up on audio might, because yeah. you're always going to use something yeah. that you know, you've know you chosen and you never know about clearances for those things, so you couldn't yeah. have the real sound. So only he could hear what he was uh, <laughs> listening to and semi-dancing to. But I, I like, like the fact even... you say semi-dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try um, harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, his character isn't a good dancer and Sam is a great dancer. And I think that's why it works, is that he is listening to something completely other than the, the thing that we're saying he's listening to. So he's just off the beat the whole time. Yeah. But it, his character is off the beat the whole time. Yeah. Um, why ABBA and that song? It's, it's an incongruous choice for a man like that, for a southern uh, racist cop yeah. in Missouri. 
ABBA isn't the first uh, thought that you would have for him <laughs> secretly listening to. But that's why it's funny, I think. Yeah. Also at a moment which is tragic too, to have something almost comic at that point was uh, interesting. But I do love that song, it's Chiquitita. Chiquitita, you and I know. person's name but they had two with people's names Fernando was another one which could have gone in the film anyway and just they're peculiar they're yeah. like war and could be the Spanish Civil War and yeah you don't usually associate that with ABBA <laughs> I don't unless I'm on mushrooms um, or darker meaning behind yeah. the ABBA yeah. repertoire yeah but listen to the lyrics they're, they're peculiar um, but I love that funny enough like a song like that would usually cost way too much than we could afford so I wrote to Benny and Bjorn to, to, to say we can't really afford it, but uh, we made, you know, in Bruges and it's a film like that. And if you wouldn't mind your song being a part of something like that, uh, begging, begging. Can we have a discount? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they came back and said, well, can we see the scene? And I okay. said, well, yeah. But then I thought they might think it's a bit comic to just see just the scene. See so we saw, saw the very dark bit before that yeah. and the very dark bit after that to put it in a little bit of context for them. And they came back and practically gave it away. That's amazing. Yeah, it was like really, really wow. nice. Wow. Mm, mm. That's good. What a lovely story. Thank you for yeah. sharing that with us. There's also a moment where Sam sings. Oh Again, yes, it's, yes. It's a little, is that not right? I think it's a little homage to De Niro. Thank you. What have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. I'm well, in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, we, Sam and I both love um, Bang the Drum Slowly, which is an early uh, De Niro mm. film from the good period. And I mean, it's an old folk tune, maybe. I think so. I know Johnny Cash did a version. Yeah, and like just. Two or three days before the scene, we, we were just talking about the film and don't even know we were talking about the song. And that was kind of an improv in the car because we were supposed to be just driving along and, and we did it once and it was all good. And then I said, well, just be talking to yourself, so, you know, whatever yeah. you, you might be saying on a, on a patrol. 
and then he started singing the song. But then he, uh, we, he's always doing impressions of Christopher Walken as well. So at the end of each verse or each line, he was doing uh, bits from The Deer Hunter. Oh, my favorite film ever. Yeah, and so those, uh, those loud mao, mao are, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, Vietnamese guys slapping Walken. Oh, my uh, God, Walken, to the Russian uh, roulette. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So that's like two for, uh, two De Niro's in one, that scene. As I was walking down the streets of Laredo, mao! As I walked out in Laredo one day, Mao! I spied a young cowboy all wrapped in white hair, all wrapped in white hair, and as the Mao! Mao! As I walked out on the streets of Laredo, as I walked out on Laredo one day, I spied a young cowboy all wrapped in white linen. Wrapped in white linen As cold as the clay I can see by your outfit That you are a cowboy These words he did say As I boldly walked by Come and sit down beside me And hear my sad story I'm shot in the breast And I know I must die And the third, Ooh. maybe, Francis's headband. Is that uh, yep, a little that's a, to that's deer a Christopher Hunter? Walken. And I think that's why we were talking about the deer hunter originally, because Francis brought forth of the, uh, the headband, and that got us talking about Walken and the deer hunter, yeah. and that went into the uh, song and the Mao. I love all these facts. It's amazing. <laughs> I have a random question. It's got nothing to do with music, but Francis being in the jumpsuit for the whole film. Mm-hmm. Is there a reasoning for that? Because for me, it's almost a bit like it's her uniform in a way. She doesn't need to think about it. She just cracks on. Exactly, exactly. Have you been researching that one too? Because that's kind of right on, on the money kind of how well. I feel. When I, I have a jumpsuit very similar. <laughs> oh, really? I feel the same when I put it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. It's, it's, uh, Frances had the idea of it being her war uniform, something she doesn't have to think about ever. Every morning, she just gets up, puts it on and goes to war which is kind of what her story in the film is. Yeah. It's just like war from, from almost the very first time we see her. And the only times we, we don't see her in it, it are like quiet times at home with her son. And that's, mm-hmm. there's like just a little bit of room for uh, a dressing gown or something a little gentler. But we were determined, Francis and I, not to show too much of the gentle mothering side of her, if there ever was one. Um, but we definitely want, didn't want the film to be about that. Uh, and we went through different ideas of colours, before red maybe, but then that would be too on the nose for yeah. uh, anger and whatever else. And the dark blue was more typical of someone in that area, Yeah, I think. an environment and kind of almost like work clothes type thing. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. But I, I said on the date with Peter, you know, maybe it's the one time when he could wear a dress or something yeah. and she was determined no yeah. she's still at war and she doesn't care about this date yeah so she still turns up in the uh, and it usually gets a laugh <laughs> yeah. every time yeah, you see him yeah, totally. um, can we talk a little bit about the other contemporary choices because the film starts with this amazing piece Martha Act 2 The Lost Rose of Summer is that right? Uh, yeah The Lost Rose of Summer it's actually an old Irish folk tune okay and it's definitely an old Irish uh, poem by the same guy who wrote the Minstrel Boy lyrics. And I think for both of those pieces, there was a later a folk tune was put to to those pieces. 
Yeah, and I, 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 before I start making a film, I have like a, a list of like 20 or 30 songs on my iPod that I just listen to, either think about the scenes or to have like background in my head for, yeah. for the scenes. And that one was, uh, was on it for ages, just because I love the tune and it's quite melancholy and yeah. uh, her voice is beautiful on the track. And then when I was uh, seriously thinking about it, I kind of checked what the lyrics were about. And they're all about loss and, and, and one, you know, it's, I think it's like two flowers in love and one dies and, yeah. and what, what, how the, the other one is left behind, which is ex almost exactly what the, the, the story's all about. I couldn't believe it when I read that. then you don't really know and the same with all of the songs on that iPod list you don't know even if they seem perfect in your head as a backing for a scene you don't really know until you film the scene and you edit it if it's going to work at all let alone knowing if you can clear these things for the right price but as soon as we tried that one we loved it and it worked so well and it set the tone of melancholy but something operatic and bigger than something small and indie it kind of mm. sets you going straight away it's something not quite the usual then and especially for a lot of classical tracks that can be really impossibly expensive and then you kind of you fall in, in love with it and it works perfectly in the scene and, and you might not be able to afford it because it could be like 30 grand or something but that one we, we lucked out and we found the exact same recording at the right price yeah Monsters of Folk as well, great choice. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's such so, an unusual yeah. song too. Even for that album, it's it's quite unusual because that's like the what would you call it? The uh, band of like four monster indie rock bands. <laughs> um, it's like twelve genres all mixed up. Yeah, yeah, and the song is so odd. It's, yeah. it's it could be about Jesus. Could it's be about, got a bit of a Christian rock. Vibe yeah, about yeah, it. but a peculiar tune, and <laughs> it's quite a dreadful little moment in the film. Quite exciting cinematically. Uh, yeah. It's like a two-minute unbroken uh, take where a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. But it's odd and it works somehow. Was that on your list? That was on the list. And I'm a big uh, Bright Eyes kind of Oberst fan. Yeah. 
and um, uh, is it Jim, it's not Jim Jones, is it, who's with... Um, Jim James. Jim James. My Morning Jacket. Yes, yes, yes. So he's that very distinctive... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how, what you call that, not tenor, outro, something like that. I'm, I'm thick yeah. about this. <laughs> high-pitched E. It's a high-pitched E voice. <laughs> um, it's a kind of soprano-y type vibe. Yeah, all yeah. soprano. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. But uh, but really distinctive and really uh, peculiar song for a peculiar moment. Master's calling the job tonight. Rewrite the Bible for a whole new generation of non believers. But also, Towns Van Zandt is like one of my heroes uh, of all time, and I've used some of his songs in all of my films so far. And there's one of his that comes up twice in this, his version of uh, Buckskin Stallion Blues. Yeah. I heard her sing in tongues of silver. I heard her cry on a summer storm. I loved her, but she did not know it. So I don't think about her anymore. Now she's gone and I can't believe it. So I don't think about her anymore. Three and four were seven only Where would that leave one and two? If love can be and still be lonely Where does that leave me and you? Time there was and time there will be Where does that leave me and you? And another one that I found on a, uh, a compilation of um, cover versions by an obscure, well, she might not be Amy? obscure, Amy, Amy Annell, yeah. yeah. Um, and she hadn't recorded an, an awful lot of stuff, but uh, it's, a her, it's a perfect version. And that comes up at the end, and it's 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 also, you know, sometimes when you use a song twice, it really kind of hopefully hits home. Mm -hmm. um, but her, and to have different versions of it is really clever as yeah, well. Yeah, especially like going from a man's mm -hmm. to a woman's version. But hers is really perfect, it's melancholy. And because it's a woman's voice at the time we're thinking about Mildred and her daughter, it's really quite powerful. I heard you sing in tongues of silver Heard you cry on a summer storm I loved you but you did not know it So I don't think about you anymore Now you're Leave me 
can we talk for the last couple of minutes about In Bruges? I love the score for In Bruges. Yeah. It's so haunting and memorable. And, and I mean, you're, you're so lucky as a director because you never know what you're going to get. But to have something that's so incredibly memorable in your first film, yeah. it's like he, he's done half the work for you. <laughs> Maybe not half. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty memorable film as well. But it wouldn't have been without that soundtrack, I don't think. I mean, it would have been a good film, but that really kind of pops it over the edge. You yeah. know, it ties it all together and it keeps it melancholy when it could veer into boys with guns, you know, <laughs> the usual crap. You know, I was always trying to keep the melancholy there, but the soundtrack helps that completely. Remember the conversations that you had with Carter around in Bruges and, and um, those one-on-one sort of thing and talking about that clever thing that he does of yeah I, I think I was just saying I like tunes could you do more <laughs> tunes in that please <laughs> um, that, that was my Easy, please. that was my uh, <laughs> contribution <laughs> and then he did oh sorry it kind of works stupidity sometimes works in that uh, arena. It's funny, it's a, it's a process like he'll send over a, l- a little bit that's cut to, to a scene and uh, and you'll say yes and no, and you always feel bad about saying no, but I think I've gotten a bit better at that as time goes on. Because it has to be something you love, and Carter's good enough to not, not be prissy about that stuff and yeah. just go back and try a couple of other things. And usually he knows if something isn't hitting the mark himself anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 um, I love that, that score.
You do create great scores with your composers, but you also create great compilations in terms of the contemporary music that you use as well. And Seven Cycle Pass, I think, is a great example of that. I got from that that you're a fan of the Walkman. I love the Walkman. I was so sorry when they broke up. I love Hamilton's stuff. That's a solo. Have you heard his stuff with Rostam from Vampire Weekend as well? Yeah, really good. That's what's really interesting is there are some artists that you use that mimic that tone to what you do and how you write and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, there there were again. I can't believe why the Walkman weren't way bigger than they were. Like they're they're the best tunes. The Rat is one of my favorite songs. Amazing. Yeah, and it never ages. And you can. Yeah. It's great. It's great for jogging, that one. <laughs> wow, you jog fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it does help. I jog slow, but it makes me think I'm going fast. Um, and uh, But all that stuff is, is, is amazing and kind of undiscovered. generation thing as well throughout Seven Cycle Pass with Hank Williams that's in there and stuff yeah. as well and yeah. just great choices yeah most well, of that your personal taste and yeah yeah that, that would be like the the old iPod the selection going in again probably 90% of the things you thought won't work or again you can't afford but um, when it does work and it, when it's a song you've loved for ages it's really fantastic I mean I've always been a big fan of The Clash but it's really hard to kind of work them in because they're so iconic yeah. you always kind of want to go for choices the little um, off the beaten track is Unknown Immortal you used in oh yes 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 that was the, oh yeah so, so Joe has Joe has popped up yeah
there's actually a Joe Strummer poster in this and, one too. Well, this is quickly before we finish, was that I think that's such a clever way that you've used not music as such, but musical iconography yeah. to tell you about a character. So we see these posters in the daughter's bedroom yeah. before we've even seen what she looked like. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very clever way of just giving us a little bit of characterization. Thank you. That's all my idea. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, completely, because we don't see very much of her at all, no, really. We, do, we see her in one scene, but you did need her, you know, the daughter we never really see to know she was a proper person and she had loves and tastes. So um, Joe Strummer and Nirvana weren't it, the two? That yeah, 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 yeah. And so you know much more about her than, than almost the scene with her gives you. Yeah. Which is lovely, I think. Martin, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Real pleasure. Congratulations on the film. Cheers. Thanks Cheers. <laughs> Back to Seven Psychopaths That's Stranded by Martin McDonough's beloved Walkman, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with this super talented writer-director. My huge thanks to Mark for taking the time to talk to us. His latest film, The Fantastic Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, is already out in some places around the world, with a UK general release coming the 12th of January. Now you can find a Spotify playlist for this and all of our shows via edithbowman.com which is also the place to catch up with previous episodes and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do get in touch and of course spread the word if you like what you hear. Next week, we have a very special show. Not only a celebration of our partnership with the EE BAFTAs, but a wonderful insight into the five nominees for this year's EE Rising Star Award, which were announced earlier this week. From Get Out, the phenomenal Dania Kaluuya, Call Me By Your Name's breathtaking Timothy Chalamet, a modern-day Lady Macbeth, the exceptional Florence Pugh, God's Own Country's huge talent Josh O'Connor and Valkyrie herself, the delightful Tessa Thompson. We'll hear from all of them in next week's episode of Soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. And then it's over to you to vote for which one you think deserves to be crowned the 2018 EE Rising Star. Head over to ee.co.uk forward slash BAFTA to cast your vote. Next week then, our EE BAFTA Rising Star nominee special 
I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.